little over 20 years ago, you might remember a lot of hype and conspiracy theories surrounding a different kind of global calamity than what we're experiencing right now. The year 2000. Y2K. A Senate panel describes the year 2000 computer bug as a worldwide crisis. Only chaos theory could calculate the multiple ramifications of what may occur. Everything's in the internet, everything's in computers, and we're gonna lose it all. And Jesus is coming back. Oh no, it's happening. I remember being really afraid. I didn't really understand the problem, I think, um, when it happened. I just remember seeing lots and lots of stuff in the media about how basically all hell was going to break loose and it was going to be the end of the world. Five, four, three, two, one, happy 2000! And then, of course, largely that did not happen. Well, it turned out to be nothing. 2000 was ushered in without major incident. Bank machines were working, power was still on, planes were flying, and petrol pumps pumping. I remember also all the jokes people made being like, oh my god, we were so ridiculous, like, what a hoax, what a scam. This is my good friend Rose Ebleth. She's the creator and host of the podcast Flash Forward, which is generally about the future. I really wanted to do an episode about Y2K on the podcast. Um, I, I've been fascinated by the sort of weird way we remember or misremember that event for a long time. And in doing research on that, I stumbled across this very ominous sounding year 2038 problem, which I then looked into and is quite similar. Um, it's sort of often referred to as, you know, Y2K part two. All the people I talked to who worked on Y2K problems are all worried about 2038. Okay, and to be clear, the, the name of this problem is the year 2038 problem? Yes, very catchy, I know. Y2K is a way better name, right? Like, that makes more sense, but like, why 38 <laughs> is not, like, why, it just, there's no, it's a, not a good name. <laughs> Despite the terrible name, Rose was still intrigued. So she looked into the year 2038 problem, which, as it turns out, is similar to the Y2K bug, because it's all about computer memory. The thing I was really interested in in diving into this question is whether or not we've learned anything from Y2K, whether we learned our lesson, whether we're any more prepared for these kinds of problems. Today on the show, why, despite what you might remember, some of the Y2K anxiety was actually justified. And what lessons should we learn from how that bug was ultimately handled? Especially since we got another big one coming in 2038. I'm Ariel Zimros. This is Reset. What was the Y2K problem exactly? The Y2K problem is essentially a problem in the way that computers store weight. So when computers were first invented, memory was really, really expensive and hard to come by. Mm -hmm. So you would come up with little tricks to cut down on the number of much like might on Twitter, right? That you come up with abbreviations or things like that. And one of the things that they did was they abbreviated the year to a two-digit 
number. So 1997 would just be 97, 1955 would just be 55. Mm. Obviously this works great until you hit the year 2000 because the computer may not know that that is 2000 and not 1900. Right. Both of those are zero, zero. And lots of people have had seen this problem coming, right? But the question a lot of people had was what would actually happen? So the worry was that it would hit January 1st, 2000, computers would try to put the date in and they would put 00, zero and either they would get confused about whether, what year it was or they would just shut down or something bad would happen. And that's basically the issue. And you actually talked to somebody about this. Who did you talk to? Yeah, I talked to Peter de Jager, who is sort of um, known as, I guess, the town crier for Y2K, for better or for worse. Um, you know, he had seen this problem coming very early on in the 70s and been like, Boss, we're going to have a problem with the computer out there. Says, what do you mean? Well, when it gets to the year 2000, it won't work properly. And he looks at me, he says, you're worried about a problem that isn't going to happen for 23 years. Get out of here. And I did. Because he's the manager. I'm a computer operator. What do I know? So I leave. I don't worry about it. And in the 90s, he was one of the people, one of many people who started really trying to kind of get people to pay attention to this problem. He was sort of, in many ways, the face of the sort of Y2K awareness campaign. And you actually asked Peter to walk you through what impact the Y2K bug would have if left unchecked, right? He gave you like a doomsday scenario. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of Peter's career has been trying to not get people to say the word doomsday and related to Y2K, but instead just actually figure out what to fix. But I did ask him to indulge me in a doomsday situation, um, and he, he offered a couple of options. So you want a doomsday scenario? Fair enough. Yes, please. Go to the banking system. The banking system is the easiest one to understand because everything it does is based upon dates. When is the mortgage overdue? When is your next payment? etc etc how much interest do i owe in the account and if the calculations are incorrect literally the money that you own is being misrepresented it's not accurate and if there's any one thing that we need to get accurate it's money so if your bank account is inaccessible to everybody in america for one month what happens right a lot of this revolves around trust do you trust your bank to still have the right numbers in your bank account by the time this is fixed and are you not going to you know riot in the streets while you're waiting for this to get fixed right and i don't know how many landlords are gonna take y2k as an excuse for you to not pay your rent or whatever it is okay that's terrifying and peter you mentioned he was sort of the town crier for y2k how did he sound the alarm in 1993, he wrote an article for a trade magazine called Computer World, and it was about Y2K. And it wasn't, you know, the first article written about Y2K, and it wasn't even the most sort of dire article written about Y2K. But the editors at Computer World magazine gave it a very uh, iconic title. Doomsday 2000. Not my choice. But it turned out to be a good title. You know, ultimately, it really was the article that sort of kicked a lot of this off. Um, so maybe the headline was a good choice. Maybe the editor did a good job. But that was sort of the big thing. Then once that sort of article came out, people got really interested in it. It sort of took off from there. How does he feel about being the face of Y2K, given how it's perceived today? Well, what he told me is that it used to really bother him that people would say things like, oh, what a scam, what a hoax, you know, when he kind of knows that that's not really the case. you got to keep beating the drum until people start marching. And are you beating it too much? Well, 
absolutely. For some people, you're beating it way too much. Other the people still haven't got the message. At some point, for the laggards, you just say, I don't care anymore. But now he says, he told me at least, that it doesn't bother him anymore because he sort of knows the truth. He knows that lots of people spent lots and lots of time to fix these systems such that they would not cause problems. Um, and he also, you know, knows that some problems did happen on January 1st, 2000. Um, it wasn't widespread chaos, but there were systems that stopped working. A handful of U.S. spy satellites were down for three days. So there were a handful of problems that did arise um, during sort of the month after Y2K. And of course, in 2020, this January, there were again Y2K problems. Um, because, you know, Wait, seriously? Yeah. Like this, this is still impacting yes, us? Yes, so um, the way that many people fixed the Y2K problem was not by saying, okay, computer, you need to remember four digits so that you can get the whole year. What they did was they said, we're just gonna use something called windowing. And so what we're gonna do is say, okay, computer, Let's say you see a date number, it's two digits. If that date number is more than zero, you should assume that it is in the year 2000. So if it's, uh, you know, 05, you should assume that that's 2005, not 1905. Right. But if it's more than 20, you should assume that it's in the 1900s. So if it is 20, you should assume it's 1920. Of course, that works great for the years 2000 through 2019. Right. As soon as it becomes 2020, there's the same problem again. And in fact, it did cause problems. So parking meters in New York didn't work. There were some trains in Germany that couldn't go anywhere because they had this problem. Um, there are all sorts of things that happened in January that actually were Y2K problems. We just sort of delayed them by 20 years. So no offense to the people who tried and, and fixed the parking meters in New York City, for instance, but um, that, that seems sort of short-sighted. <laughs> why, why just push it off by 20 years? That's a good question. The reason, as I understand it, is that it's a lot easier to fix it that way than it is to actually go into a system and give two more digits within a storage system. So to just give it this kind of like mental trick is actually much cheaper, much faster, much easier. And probably like the Y2K problem when Peter was like, hey, it's 1970, like we should figure this out. And everyone's like, eh, it's 30 years away, whatever. People in 2000 were like, eh, it's 20 years away. Somebody else will deal with this. Um, or we'll figure out a better cool. way, or we'll, ha we'll have a different system by then. Um, it is not trivial to add two digits into a lot of these systems. That's not just an easy thing to go in and like typeity type in, you know, it's a little more complicated than that. So it's actually easier to do this windowing thing than to kind of restructure the way that your data is stored. But it's probably worth doing given that we have not really solved this problem. So what I'm getting from you, Rose, is that Y2K, was not silly. It was actually a real problem. Yeah, I mean, again, there were definitely people who were overreacting, right? You had, you know, cultists being like, this is the literal end of the world, which is not true. That said, it was a real problem. And a lot of people spent a lot of time and money fixing that problem so that we didn't have some of the worst effects. So if a lot of the problems related to Y2K were real problems that engineers were able to fix in advance of the turn of the century, then it kind of sounds like Y2K was a success story. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think Y2K was a success. I, I would hope that instead of remembering it as us all being ridiculous and silly, we remember it as a time when a lot of people in a lot of different industries and a lot of different jobs spent a lot of invisible time fixing something so that we didn't have to worry about it. Um, we're lucky that we get to talk about Y2K as a scam. And a lot of people worked really hard to make that possible. 